Hello everybody and welcome to Provagun. You will not get there on a road bike. If you are looking for an ultra endurance race, or if you're looking for a leisure travel, or if you're looking for a bike packing event. For sure, the road bike can be your solution, but I don't know, it can happen at a certain point you see that ride there on the right and you say, no, if I would have had just a gravel bike, would be even easier, way easier. Gravel bike, like the open up that is here behind me, still in the box. I'm waiting for the wheels and I can't wait to assemble everything and start going where the tarmac is not there, where the pavement is completely destroyed, where you can ride on something called double track or single track. Everything that is gravel, for sure the open up, will come with me in an amazing adventure, but I think that I have to wait for December. Yeah, just talk about that pretty briefly. I'm actually going out from home for the next two weeks. This means that I'm gonna make a small pause with the podcast. I have already a couple of interviews already made, but I want to really get everything that I have out of my mind and think about something else. I'm going to Australia, by the way. I'm going to Australia to enjoy a bit of warm weather and yeah, to do a bit of vacation and stuff. And anyways, if you know somebody who I need to interview between Brisbane and Sydney, just give me a shout, I'm gonna bring my recorder with me and for sure I will have time to make an interview directly from Australia. If you just know somebody that is there, just give me a shout, hello at calamaro.cc, that's my email. And anyways, just follow everything that has happened out there from my social media, Instagram, just go on calamaro.cc and everything is gonna be super fine. So yeah, this episode is gonna be today and then two weeks of pause and then I will be back as usual here to talk with you from the first, I think the 9th, on the 9th of, uh, yeah, on the 9th of December I'm gonna be here with another episode, just a couple of weeks of vacation, sorry for that people. And when I'm gonna be back from my vacation I'm gonna find my open up maybe assembled, maybe not, but ready to ride. I really, really swear I'm gonna have a ride with the open up before the end of the year, I swear. People, anyways, if you're liking the content that I'm producing and you like the things that I'm saying, just please go on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, subscribe and rate and put a review. You know that it's super important. For me. But let's jump on the episode of today. Today, ah, the story is amazing actually, I think that you're gonna listen a bit about that during this episode, but I actually got to know about Paneer since ages ago, I think since at least 2016 I've been reading the amazing content that is there. Then I went to La Resistance last year and I've met there Max Leonard, who usually writes for Paneer, and he told me about, why don't you interview Steph? Then I contacted Steph a couple of times, we never had the time, and I never had an interview with Steph, but I had an interview with Max Leonard, the link is down below. And until I was down to Kegeti Pass and following the Silk Road Mountain Race, and I've seen this guy, I think I know this guy, and it's Steph from Paneer.cc. We had a lot of chats, we talked a lot, he was as well on the podcast there on a couple of episodes. And then at the end we said, okay, it's time, I have to interview you, that's what it must be. Let's talk about your approach to cycling, your, the events that you're organizing, how Paneer.cc came out, and this is the interview, I'll talk to you later. After a long, long, long process, now finally I'm here talking with somebody that I wanted to have on these records really since long time, at least one year. I'm talking about Steph, Steph Amato from Panier.cc. Hi Steph, how are you doing? Hey, 
playing hard to get, Stefano. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's a great pleasure. Maybe just a small story. We are in contact since a bit of time. We talked a lot. Uh, but I can understand how busy it can be to run what you are running, so panier.cc. And... Uh, the cool thing was that we met during the Silk Road Mountain Race. You were racing together with David, right, Dave? Yeah, Dave helped me run Pania. He's focusing on the travel side of the business, which we're hoping to grow. Um, yeah. He's been working with me for about 18 months now. So oh, we uh, threw ourselves in the deep end together as colleagues and attempted the Silk Road Mountain Race, uh, which went. So we met there with a lot of talks. Actually, I remember that I got an interview from you talking about your gears, how actually somebody used to bike packing move to ultra endurance races. It was super interesting. Everybody out there, I'm going to put the link down below so you can listen to that episode. And then at the end, we decided on uh, try to shape a bit better together what's your daily task and how amazing is your project of Panier staff in this interview. And I'm super happy to have you here. A, a backlog to the point about it taking a long while to do the podcast. I think Stefano was uh, Let's do that. was keen to, to talk, and I knew he was. I knew he wanted to talk a bit about the Silk Road Mountain Race. But we were. <laughs> <laughs> I was coming from a slow touring background, and it was probably six months before the start of the race, and I really, we really wanted to keep it keep quite a low profile for the race. We didn't really want to tell anyone we were doing it because we hadn't we if we're honest we had no idea how we'd get on so um so we showed up in Bishkek just at the start and then we're glad to meet everyone and and now keen to keen to chat and talk about the race and bike packing in general and Pania so yeah well let's talk about that let's exactly tackle for one minute for a couple of questions the elephant that is in the room how did you decide to go to the Silk Road Mountain Race? How was it for you? Which one was your main fear before to start? Which one was the biggest success when you finished? <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the applications for Silk Road came, I think it was December last year. And Dave and I had just come back from Bosnia, I believe. We were wrecking a, a tour for Pania, which we ran a couple of months ago. And... Uh, I think we both just said this looks like a good test. Um, Dave's quite a Dave's come from a more of a racy road background, and I came. I've come from a slow traditional touring background. So we were interested in how how a pair entering this would work. We we felt like we had a lot of experience. We've been bikepacking for years and quite good outdoors experience. So. We thought this would be the perfect the perfect test for us to try and finish. We're always in it just to just to try and try and get round the course. Um, Seventeen hundred kilometers is much much longer than any of the the tours we're running. We're typically spending three four days uh, outside. Um, so the big challenges for us were the length, the terrain, and the altitude and everything. And I and for me on a personal level, it was a real good way of kind of capping off the five, six years we've been running Pannier for in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of experience and yeah, justification for all the years we've been, we've been spending on a bike. Uh, hopefully we'd be able to get around it. Yeah. 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 No, I think, you know what, and here is a small comment from myself, comment from myself. The thing that actually I've seen of you and Dave, in you and Dave, while you were riding, you were, I don't know, this was what it looked like. I don't know, you can tell me if it was like this or not. You were pretty, pretty relaxed. You and Dave, you were smiling all the time. Also other riders were doing like this. But actually, as I remember, your face all the time was pretty relaxed, smiley all the time, and uh, really... You know, something like knowing that something was was happening, that you were in ways super quiet with your goal of finishing it, taking your time and everything like this. You were there, you were quiet, just with your goal in mind, without so much stress. And this is something that hit me, really. Yeah, I think, yeah, we saw you, I think we spent the night at Checkpoint 2 in the Yurt Camp. And I think at that point, we we knew we still had a long way to go, but we were happy just 
kind kind of cruising round. I mean, the course is super hard, and you didn't see us when we were crying. And <laughs> no, oh, that's why. That's why. In a bad way, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, people have referred to me as a diesel before, and I think that that probably is how how we raced it. I think Dave might have attacked it slightly differently. He probably would have got round slightly quicker. Um, whereas the diesel engine in me kind of just, we, we chugged along and fixed anything we needed to. I think that was the important bit, was just in the, doing that for the first time. It's all about sustaining sustaining a, a good pace, um, being self-sufficient and eating and drinking properly and trying to get some rest, uh, which is what we were quite experienced in. So, yeah, less racing, uh, <laughs> more just getting round. Um, and, yeah, we did smile. We had a great time. And I'd, something I'd like to go back to, we we kind of planned the race based on a couple of things. So, like, in terms of daily checkpoints, we'd always try – we'd use darkness as a main one. Um there were many times when we rode through the dark, but we kind of stopped during the, uh, only rode during the day, daylight hours. So from like 5am to about 10, uh, as a general rule, or we use big checkpoints on the race, like a, getting over a big pass or getting to a checkpoint that really helped. Um, and that, yeah, so those two things helped us, helped us get along really. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, as I was saying, it seems like we had good time. So that's what already hit me. No, we did. We had. We had it was a great time, a great experience, and I'd recommend it to anyone. Um, I'd, yeah. say, I'd say don't take it lightly. That's one thing I definitely say. <laughs> for sure. Be prepared. I don't know. For some people, less planning worked for them because they just went and did it and went really fast, and it was fine. For us, the planning was important, just knowing what we were doing. Um, I think that came from our experience. But I think doing it again, I'd, we'd probably go go slightly harder and try and go try and go quicker. But finishing it was the main yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's jump back one second. We talked about the elephant in the room. Now start from uh, uh, introduction and stuff. So I just want to start to mention only a couple of things. So I have been reading uh, Panier.cc since a long time. I think I started, if I don't want to be uh, to make any mistake, in 2016 or stuff like this. But the first time that I got exactly in contact with you was when, after my La Resistance in uh, uh, Ancy, yeah, in Teloir, actually, I met Max Leonard. And he, I remember that he had at that moment a cap, so yeah, a cappellino of Panier. And we talked about, first of all, we talked about his book, Rough Stuff Cycling in the Alps, first. And then we talked about Panier. We talked a bit and then we said, okay, um, I can actually uh, put you in contact with Steph uh, because he's a great character and actually he knows what it means talking about bikepacking or, um, yeah, bikepacking or bicycle touring. And then I got to know about you in this way. And then we met in person and blah, 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 blah. But if you have to start from yourself, can you give us an introduction of yourself, Steph? Steph Amato, who is out cycling, uh, got into your life, and then we will talk also about Panier. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Um, yeah, so grew up in South London, um, went to uni in the north of England uh, in a city called Sheffield and that's kind of really where I got got into A outdoors and B Sheffield C riding bikes and touring. Um, I studied architecture so I was up in Sheffield for six years on and off. Uh, went back and worked in London for a year um, and yeah Sheffield is the gateway to to the outdoors and that it was the gateway to the outdoors for me too um we have the peak district national park on the doorstep uh so which enables enables you to live in a city and get some really good wild riding in uh, the peak district isn't epic but it's 
yeah, it's single track roads, gravel tracks, chunky bridleways, moorlands, uh, rail trails. It's it's perfect for escaping escaping the city, and that's what I started doing. And uh, in our f- maybe fifth or sixth year of university, a couple of other friends decided that we should celebrate uh, finishing and chose to do Land's End John O'Groats, basically. So that was my first kind of long distance overnight. Well, definitely overnight. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we did it in about two weeks. We didn't plan anything. Um, I've probably got a photo somewhere So of us. We bought... Well, we had we had them for a while. We had some really cheap entry level giant road bikes. Uh, it's probably the last time I rode slick twenty three C tires. Um, wow! <laughs> we had rear panniers, and I've I've got photos I think of us with basically of them covered in bin bags. So it was that kind of that kind of trip. Um, but yeah, got back from that and really really loved the freedom. It's kind of cliche, but yeah, that that speed, um, traveling around with that freedom is just was just special for us. We like we had a we had a goal of getting between Lansing and John O'Groats, but with nothing planned in between, we kind of just took our own route. Uh, and yeah, that's what. So that would be my first, the kind of first inspiration. And I, I got back from that, and because I'd. When I say I didn't do any planning, we we obviously planned roughly how you go about doing a trip like that. You have to at least. <laughs> so, yeah, just roughly where it was nice to ride or what what routes people were doing. Back then, I was working as an architect in Shoreditch, um, an old street, effectively, and in kind of twenty twenty ten twenty eleven, it was kind of the rise of what what's what they're now kind of calling the, the tech hub in London and loads of people were there. There was a big community of people making apps and websites. Uh, the unit next to us was making all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, they were making robots for galleries that were controlled by apps. So you could go into them at night and then look around the gallery. So uh, I got really into <laughs> inspired by that and I went next door and talked to them and I was like I've got this I've got this idea for a sort of route planning app um, that plots places to stay along routes so that it helps people plan trips like the one we just did Um, and that's how it started really Uh, a friend a couple of friends uh, we got together in the in a pub at King's Cross and just started chatting about how something like that might work. Uh, and we chatted, we had a list of sort of names for it, generic cycling words. And we, David, Nick and I all struck upon Pannier as a, as a brand name. So uh, it's as simple as starting like that, really. And from there, that was probably 20. In fact, it was, we, we just, we were just getting read the first version of Pannier ready just before the Olympics in London, because we went and did a load of guerrilla marketing at the Olympic Village down there. We were like putting flies in spokes and stuff. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So that, that was how it, that's how it started. And and from there for a couple of years, we spent some time on the route planning app and researching places and growing the list of routes. Uh, but the manual side of it was, was really hard. And it was when, it was the same sort of time that Strava and all the, and even Commute and all the the ones that are now big were, and and Google Maps was getting really really good. So, <laughs> all three of those kind of stunted our our progress. Um, but we had we had some help from Brooks, uh, Brooks England, who helped who helped us make it, take it to the next level uh, as a brand. So from there. Uh, from from that aspect, we we turned it into an online shop with a with a bigger and better journal and a slight rebrand, and that that was what it was until about two or three years ago when we started 
running trips. So we're we're kind of in V three. We're in we're in uh, version three at the moment. Of and uh, that's that's how how we see Pannier growing and 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 getting uh, getting more popular is is through the the travel experiences by bike that that's led to it getting this far in the process and our through our experience in in running and riding bikes so yeah cool so you were telling us that actually your idea popped up the idea popped up into your mind around 2010 then the first idea was to set up something like a map application where you are putting together um, all the plan, 12 people to plan rides. Uh, yeah, the rides, the bike packing rides, as you have done before. Then, because of competition, because of evolution, I think mostly because of that, you bet a bit more into the journal side. So on telling the stories of yourself riding or rides that other people were doing stories stories on bike traveling let's put it in this way and then from there on you actually decided to make the um, the tours yourself and to actually give to the other people the experience on that do you think that actually are you happy with this evolution and better are you happy with the amazing content that you are uh, going out going online with every time in your journal <laughs> yeah. um yeah but i think i think everything when when we we started version two the evolution of it um everyone a lot of people were saying you know you hear stuff takes three years to really grow and and kick off and i think panny is a, a prime example of that it's it's been a slow burner for <laughs> but yeah for maybe longer for five years but now i'm at a now i'm at a point with Dave working on it too, where it really feels like something and something great. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely happy. And, uh, yeah, as of now, we've, we've taken a lot of people on cool, cool trips that, uh, that we like to do ourselves. I think that's the important thing. So when, when it comes to quality control on trips, it's whether it's overnight weekends or social events or kind of the wilder three, four day gravel, bike pack trips we do you know they're all trips that we've done we've curated uh organized and they're trips that we'd want to do ourselves so i think that's what that yeah that's what really separates separates us out and i think everyone or i hope everyone who's come on a pannier trip will agree cool yeah yeah i i don't know i've never been there but i talk with a lot of people that are following you in your pioneer event and everybody's super happy for that but if we would need to define let's start from there if we would need to define um one of the stories that you're telling to the journal which one in your opinion is kind of uh i don't want to say the template but the classical story so the classical trip that you are telling you are writing into your journal if you have to say something like the brand content of Paneer, how does it look like um so there's, there's a couple of sides to the journal one are stories that other other people are submitting so we started out with a lot of those and slowly uh they've become slightly less not for any reason but um because we're doing a lot more of our own our own content, which has been possible over the last uh, last three years, like working with working with brands and things and new bikes. Um, a typical Pannier Journal story um, yeah. is probably something like one call one we called the Bonatti Tour or our Bunker Research Tour. You mentioned Max Leonard before. I think I think our Bunker Research Tour, which is stems from the book. He he uh, he compiled, wrote, and edited, and published. Um, it's, it's pretty typical of what we're doing. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned that, <laughs> and you guys met. But that, so that was. It's kind of it's it's adventure. It's accessible but challenging. Um, so three, we typically look to do do three four day trips that that fit within people's busy lives at the moment so challenging in terms of terrain 
um, which typically lends itself to wilder places and mountains, uh, which we've been trying to do a lot more of, whether that's UK based or Europe or further afield. Um, there's always we always try and get an off the bike aspect in too, so and a theme to trips. So the bunker research is a is a classic example. That was us um, visit going and visiting and experiencing all the the Maginot line bunkers in southern France in the Alpes Maritime, uh, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous, but as a theme for a tour, it's amazing because the bunkers are always at high vantage points, often at the end of kind of gravel military roads in the mountains. So actually, it worked perfectly for a tour because it was taking us into these, taking us off the beaten track into amazing places. And then we were kind of cooking up local food and, and, and whatnot at the same time. So, yeah, and that probably leads on to the another part as well as the theme. It's tends to include off-the-bike stuff that is kind of camp cooking and and and, and local local goods. <laughs> um, and that one was with Café de Cycliste as well. So we had we had a start and an end point and a small group of us who, who went out. And you, you can see that on the journal and hopefully that gives you a, a good feel for it. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of the trips are, are, are camping um, it's a fine line a lot of people are saying it's not bikepacking as a term if, if you're not camping out but uh, we Pani is definitely as much about you know fully wild like camping out as it is going from hut to hut um, I think it's more about the riding style, the places you ride, and and being self sufficient. I think whether you're whether you're camping or not, it's carrying everything you need to have a good time on the bikes for a few days. That's that's how I'd sum it up. Um, and actually, we like staying in huts and eating at local establishments because I like to think that it's putting some helping out these the places that we ride through. We're not just uh, taking advantage of these nice places so um, yeah I think that's an important point too cool and then these are actually the stories that you can read up and you can get inspired from from the Panier journal and then from there how does it develop or did it develop into the the tours the events of Panier the spirit is more or less the same right yeah the, the spirit yeah exactly Be, because they're trips that We've now got into a formula where we're almost creating journal content from trips we're doing and telling stories that uh, people can then come and come with us and ride. Um, that's that's part of the story that I think we're going to look to to keep keep going. I think uh, it's, it's cyclical in that regard. So we're going and riding places, telling stories about these places, and then offering people the the chance to join us on a, a, that a matching experience um and that's the way i i'm wanting pania to to keep growing basically um yeah yeah that's great actually uh talking a bit more about your tours and stuff uh I knew about them since the probably beginning, since when I started, but actually the first time that I was completely hit by one of your tour is the Grappa Massive Tour. So the tour that you're doing together with Pedaled um, on the Monte Grappa area there. And uh, yeah, I actually, I was pretty... Um, attracted by it because it's a place that I really like. I've been there last year as well, not on gravel roads, yeah. unfortunately, but only on road. I've been there for one day, but that's really the thing that really uh, attracted me because it's not only riding the bicycle in amazing places, but also try also to get and to discover some good places and talk about the history that is there. Um, how did you um, come out with actually making this tour there on Monte Grappa, oh, just because you were attracted as well from the location itself, or because you have written there and you like that, or because you were attracted by the Italian? How does it work there? How did it work? Yeah, for us, it's the perfect um, 
it was the perfect location for a number of reasons to run a tour. I think first off, when we're when we're looking at tours, it's about accessibility um, for people to get there. <laughs> I mean, it sounds silly that, but it's kind of a main consideration. Um, and and the the pre Alps, the Venetian pre Alps, there around Grappa Massive, are really accessible from Venice and northern Italy and quite a few main major cities. So that's kind of a first attraction. So people can. On our tours, we're finding that a lot of people are kind of extending extending their tour with visiting cities, for example, Venice. So you could come see Venice and then come riding with us for three days and then extend your trip or head home. So that's the first the first reason. Second one, we'd been riding around there a bit before, again on road. So the chance to explore more of the gravel, the gravel and historical areas up in the mountains was, was an important factor. Um, the other reason behind that tour is Pedaled are based on the Venetian plain there uh, near Padova. So and and in between Padova and Bassano, uh, which is where the tour starts. So they've working with them on that trip. They have they have an interest and a, and a local knowledge that's really nice. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of the guys and girls working for Pedaled live in the area. So they know it, so it's helping us out with some guiding, um, and and thirdly, it's just a it's an amazing place, as you say, full of history. The towns are really nice, so we can stop and eat and drink in nice places, and then you can do a lot of a lot of road riding along the the valley bottom before heading into the super nice mountains and the uh, the Pesubio. So it's based on. It's almost like an M-shaped elevation profile. This this tour <laughs> starts at sea level, and then we go up. We do Monte Grappa and stay up high in a refuge up in Monte Grappa. Come back down, and then we go head. Uh, we head west uh, to Monte Pesubio, which is they're both kind of around two thousand two thousand meters. So really, uh, hence the M shape. <laughs> It's staying up there, um, staying up that high in one of the in the refuges is is really special and I've, yeah, done it a few times now. But every time is every time is is really special. And the challenge of riding gravel on all the old military roads up to them is is one thing, but eating and drinking and spending the night up up in the mountains is is another. And and what's great about these trips is they're all made possible by on my bike so that it's yeah it's a few aspects to it um that, that make it a really good experience or i hope so anyway <laughs> yeah i think so as i was saying i heard a lot of people being there and everybody was telling me that was a great great experience but this is actually my point of view so this was how i've seen the first time the uh, your tours but from where everything started which one was the first the first tour that you kicked off also with taking on board some participants and, uh, yeah. in the early early days i was organizing a lot of trips for friends uh, in the uk so we do like long weekends out on the bikes with 10 to 15 of us um probably four or five of them over the years and then official pannier the first, the first official Pannier event was 2015, I believe, in April, in a cold peak district. Uh, <laughs> it was freezing because everyone had to go and buy a sleeping bag in Hathersidge outside because they didn't have a good enough sleeping bag. Um, but yeah, we we set up more of a weekend. That was when I was running it, running it myself. We did a basically a weekend event in the Peak District. Everyone camped, came and camped. Uh, we did some rides on the Saturday, uh, some talks. We had uh, we had about five or six talks that evening from bike travellers. Mike Howarth came and did a talk. Jet McDonald talked about his book. Josh Cunningham was there doing a talk about his, his trip from London to China. Uh, bone shaker magazine yeah so a few we had a few really good talks and some really good food that a friend tom came and cooked for us so it was, it was 
kind of chilled. We had about 40 or 50 people there. Um, and then that was the start of the loaded, that was the first ever loaded hill climb we, we, we did, which is a kind of tongue in cheek once a year, uh, hill climb event, hill climb race. Um, so yeah, we loaded up, we loaded up a bike with two, two front panniers, filled it with gravel and, uh, sent people up a, a really steep hill in the Peak District. They've got shorter since then. That was about five minutes long, I think, which is crazy when I think back to it. But now they're kind of one to two minutes long, like a typical, typical English hill climb championship. Yeah, it was it was great and really kicked off, kicked off things for for us. I mean, I learned a lot of lessons <laughs> uh, in terms of group sizes and everything. So now, now we tend to run. One of those a year, we do it at Sol uh, Sol summer solstice weekend. We have have kind of that size group. Out, we kind of, we tour that around. So we're doing the Peak District one year. This year was in the Yorkshire Dales National Park. Next year we'll be back in the Peak District. So we tour that one round, and that's that's one of our bigger events. Um, otherwise, our guided tours are a lot smaller. Uh, we 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 do them with groups of up to fifteen. With two guys, uh, the idea behind that is, in in the in my experience over the last five years, it's just it's the perfect group size really because everyone everyone gets to know each other. Everyone can help with the cooking, hot drinks. We we can ride together as a group. It doesn't matter necessarily on the the wilder the wilder trips where there's only one one track anyway, but. Um, the group size of that is is fine, and the impact on places we stay, uh, and, and local establishments is just slightly eased with that. Uh, as soon as it gets over twenty, it comes hard to to find nicer places to stay and eat and drink and cook for everyone. So it's it's kind of a really nice manageable social size. Um, so that's what most of our guided uh, bikepacking tours are. Um, and then we've this year we we've introduced a series of rambles, which are a slightly bigger group, so between fifteen and thirty, um, and they're they're like semi guided. That's what we're calling them semi guided. So uh, it allows us to have a bigger group, and a lot of people who come on those they're more weekend events, so they'll be just single nights, two days riding, uh, typically city to city. Uh, and they, yeah, they're 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 less formal. So we give people GPS or checkpoints, and they just ride. And we we set up the overnight camp, typically in pubs and gardens and things, and uh, just yeah, host host a weekend like that. Uh, the the infrastructure for people to have a weekend away on the bikes with a pannier twist. It's funny we we kept thinking that the wilder uh, mountainous <laughs> proper bikepacking tours for three or four days were the, the ones people wanted to do which, and they are they're getting more popular but we we did a london to bristol the first one of these rambles was a london to bristol ride and we kind of booked out in 24 hours so we were like ah oh, maybe people just want to do <laughs> The the accessible weekend adventure is definitely a, a popular one, definitely in the UK, and I'm sure sure across the rest of Europe as well. But for us, that's something we're going to hopefully run more of. And we've just done the first edition of our Manchester to Sheffield through the Peak District uh, ramble, the Peakland ramble. So it's there's there's a mix of three three types of experiences that we're we're looking to do um, and keep keep growing basically. The ultimate aim would be to run uh, what we'd call longer haul expeditions, but I think we'll uh, that's gonna that's gonna be a, a lot further down the line. But it's something we're aiming aiming towards over the next couple of years. Cool. Uh, yeah, can you tell me something because that's another thing that I find out actually in your website and stuff. I also see that here you have something called self guided tours. So you just 
these are just tools that probably you are doing it yourself, but you're just giving to the people a map to follow and some cool points where to stop or something like this. Is it that? Is it that actually the self-guided tool usually? Yeah, self-guided's becoming a lot more popular. So we we understand that everyone can go bikepacking by themselves if they know what they're doing. Um, I think people are coming on our trips for the social aspect um, to ride as a group if they don't know many people that do a similar thing or don't want to do it by themselves or um, or are inspired by the locations and tours we offer. Um, the self-guided concept is one that we just, we put up maybe six very, yeah, not very long ago, and it's something, but we will be growing it. Um, it's just, it's essentially the same, the same locations we're offering guided pannier guided tours, but uh, without us, without us guiding, obviously. So people can, um, people get the route, have their accommodation and transfers all booked for them the same way they would on a on a, a pannier tour, um, but without a guide. So you you need to be self sufficient on those, and we're working with the people that we offer the, the guided tours with and they're they're on the ground local local contacts that, that help help run those for us. That they to start with they're gonna be BYOB uh what's the acronym? Uh, bring your own bike. So you'll need your own bike and kit for those. But essentially yeah, turn up in the same way our guided trips, you can turn up with a backpack and we can hire you a bike and bags and camp kit and everything. With self-guided, it's turn up with your bike and some bags and your own kit, and then everything else is sorted for you: route, accommodation, and that's amazing. And transfers and everything you need. So it's it's kind of attracting maybe a hopefully attracting a more self-sufficient or adventurous uh, uh, group who are who are keen to just do stuff themselves yeah but still with the comfort on on having anyways organized and plan everything that they need in order to camp or to sleep in some places or somewhere to eat so it's kind of self-sufficient thing but still with some help from your side yeah yeah that's that's exactly it's it's a, it's a there's a few home comforts in there that um people would appreciate hopefully or want or need um eventually we'd like to offer that with with all the kit with the bike and everything but at the moment the logistics aren't quite there for us hopefully hopefully soon but um yeah because that would be that would be an amazing uh opportunity to offer people um yeah i think i think for us there's we see the rise as we talked about Silk Road earlier, that's probably on the hardcore end of the spectrum, but a lot of races and events, bikepacking events that are on the rise, and I think people are participating in them more. Um, and I think for them, the, the self, for people doing those sort of events, the self-guided tours maybe suit suit them more. I don't know. We'd, we'll find out. But um, I think there's something, yeah. Our aim is to provide something, a pannier experience for everyone almost that's that's the aim and we 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 kind of get we get guys and girls from all all experiences and speeds and whatnot already so hopefully that long may that continue just continue on this point how do you usually define how would you usually define a classic pioneer person who is taking part to your pioneer tour so is actually joining you people have first experience already uh, seasoned bike travel bike packers or bike travelers or families how would you shape it oh yeah we've had you can be broad stuff no worries <laughs> You know what we've had we've had a to a real mix of uh yeah I'm not trying to skirt the subject but we have had a real mix of mix, mix of people um we've had so I th I'd say age group definitely between 25 and 55 is probably the age group at the moment um a, a whole mix of between that um and experience level wise we've had I think the key the key one for me was a guy called Nathan who came to Wales last year. He was a really really competent fell runner, 
and had never never ridden a bike or gone bike packing before and one of his friends said i think they wanted to do a big tour in new zealand on bikes so his mate basically sent sent him away with us to to learn the ropes so that was really cool yeah because I, I found out because i gave him one of our surly hire bikes um and he kind of <laughs> he was playing around with the shifters and i was like have you ever yeah, have you ever used one? And he was like, no, no, I don't know how to use it. So, you know, there's that, there's that level of experience. So someone who's outdoorsy but interested in starting to do more biking, um, to, to really experience people who were there for the the social, and they tend to come on quite a few events. Um, so they'll have all their own kit and their bike but just want to come away with others and enjoy enjoy a few days with us with a route sorted and food and drink and accommodation so um yeah we're really i think yeah the other key the key thing to probably mention is the price points we're aiming for are access hopefully accessible for people you know we want we understand that people can go and do it themselves sure but if we if we can offer something really great for all sorts of experiences then then that's what that's what matters and so far we found the groups really mix well when there's 15 or so, as I said, it's, uh, it's really cool. The fast, the fast people get their fix. They can head off and we can send people <laughs> off on certain segments and say, go and give it some beans. Um, but we will always, we're always just traveling at the, our slowest travel speed. And that's why we coin the 15 kilometers an hour club because that we did so many trips and, that always seemed to be the average speed, so it kind of works and lets people know that that's the pannier spirit. It's it's yeah, it's slow, gritty travel, and how we like it. <laughs> yeah, just you know the right speed in order to enjoy company, to enjoy uh, the place itself, so landscape and stuff, to enjoy a good chat, and also at the end because you made anyway some efforts to enjoy your food at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly risotto in an italian refuge or a homemade pizza in wales it's always the same yes yes yeah. yes yeah i hope that you can also have some polenta from time to time yeah <laughs> cool uh which one are the plans then now for the future about yourself are you think thinking about getting into another ultra endurance event and about the pannier thing are you thinking about opening up another branch of the business um i think Going forward, Pania would definitely be focusing on the tours and experiences. Uh, we hope to have more of those on offer. We're, we're launching, uh, we're launching Scotland, um, Spain uh, experiences very soon next year, and Dolomites. Ah, yeah, Dolomites is already on the website. I've seen that. I liked it because there's a picture with some snow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the, the cold-looking one. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have a Dolomites experience. That's that's again similar to Grappa, Grappa Massive you mentioned. That's gonna be hut to hut, um, and finishing at a mountain bike event we did this year, which was the Dolomite Superbike. So, the idea is to have the option if people want to also do that event, they can. So, also with our experiences, if we can offer inside access to to things like that, I think that's really valuable. Uh, hopefully people are up for joining us for a tour and then doing something like the Superbike. Um, so we've got a few more of our three, four day trips launching next year. Yeah, just focusing on the travel, really. Not necessarily increasing the number of destinations a huge amount, but just making them better and better and focusing on lower numbers of destinations and higher number of tours. Um, and then personal, personal, I'm not too sure. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed Silver Road Mountain Race. It was a good experience. I think the length of it, 1,700 kilometers, was a bit much for me. We, after like, after about seven days, I was, I was pretty slammed. Uh, <laughs> there's only, you're in these most beautiful, stunning, valleys and just wondering why you're there kind of thing but um 
you finish it, enjoy it, and look back on it with fondness. But I think I think uh, events like the Highland Trail, which is five fifty miles, so nearly a thousand k, is probably probably about right for me in future on a personal level. I think spending a week because the the quickest guys and girls on Silk Road are doing it in eight nine days, and I think that that would be great. And they say that nothing gets easier; you just get faster. But I'm just not sure I could do seven that distance in that time ever. So, um, yeah, I think I'd have to do shorter events, essentially. And yeah, Morocco, uh, Morocco the Atlas Mountain Race intrigued me. That might be one for 2021. But I think we're we're getting a lot of opportunities to stick with what I know and I'm good at, which is the leisure, the leisure side of bikepacking I think um, I've kind of ticked a box I hate, yeah, I don't like to see it as that necessarily but definitely ticked a box with Silk Road and uh, I hope to stay at that level of riding but maybe doing other other things uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so anyways for everybody out there I'm going to put anyways as usual the link down below in the description there is an amazing article with amazing pictures of the adventure of Steph and Dave into the Silk Road Monday race that obviously you can find it on the journal, on the Pioneer journal. It's there. I'm going to link it below and there probably, you can have a taste a bit more on how was the experience of Dave and Steph in Kyrgyzstan in August 2019. <laughs> yeah, don't let it put you off. Um, no, I think, I think for, from a lot of feedback from the journal, that journal piece, a lot of people are interested in the pair riding as a pair aspect um, more than anything. So, like halfway down, there's there's a bit of a Q and A that we did. Because um, yeah, I think the pair aspect is 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 interesting. Um, doing something like that. No, yeah, it's pretty interesting because, anyways, you have to get along with the person that you are doing it. Because otherwise, the first time that you are hungry. <laughs> It starts being in a fight, and you usually be uh, you usually are hungry pretty often. I think I don't think that I don't say that you are starving all the time, but for sure you can feel hunger from now and then. Well, we had it we had it okay because Dave helped me with certain things. I got ill one day, and he helped. You know, you have your high and your low moments. Oh, you mentioned eating. The first day, he was so cold. We had to. Like had to unclip his helmet and we had to cook. Um, we cooked. I can't remember what it was now. Pesto pasta ready meal, about three and a half thousand in the the snow on Kagetti Pass, just so that we could get over it. Um, that was the first day, and that was the moment I knew we were in for a tough few days. <laughs> but yeah, you have to you have to you have to manage it, and I think running. Running tours uh, for for groups definitely helped us out with the empathy aspect uh, because you're constantly when you're guiding you're constantly thinking about other other people and how they're getting on what they need what they might want whether it's a hot drink or some some energy or to stop whether people want to take photos or uh, so that really helped riding as a pair because you're generally quite conscious of what what the other person's wanting and actually you say you have to get on but you almost don't get on because there were there were day i mean huge sections of time when you don't even really talk about anything especially on the hard bits you're just you're not head down but you're just right you know that it's going to be a slog for hours so just crack on and you, you can't stop or turn around you just you just have to keep going forward. So, as long as everyone knows that, it's uh, <laughs> it's straightforward. Perfect, Steph. Thanks a lot for our chat. It was pretty cool, inspiring. And uh, damn it, now I want to go and ride the Monte Grappa. <sighs> You'll have to come. What are you doing next? Ah, what I'm doing next? I don't know. I'm putting some stuff here and there. I'm trying to drop ideas around. So first of all, I need to to get a gravel bike because I don't have it anymore. And uh, 
uh, road, road tours and stuff like this are getting a bit boring for me. So first of all, the first thing that I have to do, I get a new gravel bike and I'm working on that. Second thing that I have to do, I want to make a good event where leisure and cycling and adventure are going to be combined. I had uh, something in mind that was the Tuscany Trail, but I have to see if it can be done in terms of timing and everything. And otherwise, I was just dropping this idea to a friend of mine. He's also from Italy, from Abruzzo, though. And I was telling him, why don't we do just the together the Tuscany Trail? It's going to be fun. And he told me, why don't we just organize our own, our own events in Abruzzo, close to my place? It's going to be better. And then now I am in this kind of things. You are now an event organizer. <laughs> yeah no no never never it's not for me i'm not pla- i'm not good in planning at all i just can take care of myself completely in a freestyle way i cannot do it i can follow the organization if somebody tells me you have to do this this and that yeah. i tend to follow even if i don't like it but on the other side usually i just do freestyle stuff something like it happens for me for example on the first of august that here is holidays yeah. here in um, in switzerland and i just decided in the morning of the 31st of july I want to go and ride some of my passes. I just make a couple of phone calls. I found a refuge there, a base camp, and um, it was completely empty. But I said, okay, yeah, great, cool. I went to Andermatt. I've done in one day four passes, as I remember. The day after it started raining, so I decided, okay, I'm not going to go riding. I worked. And then the day after it was cool, but I changed a couple of times the tour that I wanted to do because the weather was not good. It was full of, um, of motorcycles. Then I went back home. I was completely exhausted. I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back home by, by, by bike. And I've, <laughs> I've done it. The morning after I stopped halfway because I was too tired. I went back home with the train. This is myself, you know, messing up with things, having adventure, but completely freestyling. So I will never do an organized event by myself. Actually, if I wouldn't be somebody thinking about, okay, probably I need to take part to an event and I have to choose, I would say, <laughs> Stefano, never. I never an event organized by Stefano. Switzerland. No, we, maybe we do something in Switzerland. Why not? Why not? There are so many cool things here to do, really. Yeah. I can actually scout something if you want. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool stuff then uh yeah we will talk soon and for now just uh yeah enjoy the winter season it's gonna be riding for you anyway so it's in winter season right it's already dark here early on so dark and wet and cold generally mm. in in the peak district so yeah just get out as much as you can uh yeah keep fit for next year hopefully got a lot of guiding to do um yeah so yeah, we catch up. And yeah, maybe we can make a podcast on next year's Grappa Massive. Yeah, I'm here. Just give me a shout and we're going to make it happen. I'm happy for that. For some polenta. Yes, only if I can eat polenta. Otherwise, I will not come. Yeah, that's a deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Perfect, Steph. I will talk to you soon then. Enjoy. Okay, ciao. Bye. Ciao. Bye. And thanks a lot, Steph, for the interview. It was pretty inspiring, super cool. And you know it works, people. You just move to the big city to go close to the nature. And then you study there. You use your bicycle there. You start working as architect. And then from an idea, boom, you are out guiding people that want to enjoy gravel rides and exploring rides. And yeah writing content about that, organizing stuff, and taking the bicycle at it must be taken. Means at 15 kilometers per hour. That's what it is. Thanks, Steph, for the interview and for the talk. It was pretty amazing. And I was talking with him today, by the way, and uh, he was telling me, Stefano, what the hell is happening? Are you still there, almost in December, with your road bike? Yes, people. Give me the time, give me the time to assemble my black open up and I'm gonna go on the unpaved roads. I can't wait for that. Also because, yeah, the point is that I still waiting, as I was telling you at the beginning, for the wheels. That's a pain. The hand wheels that I ordered, pretty nice, everybody told me, pretty cheap and tubeless compatible. But when you're shipping stuff from UK to Switzerland, custom always have problems 
Today I called them probably unlocked that. And, uh, let's see if tomorrow they will arrive. At least I'm gonna keep them home before assembling them. Let's see. Anyways, hopefully I'm gonna start riding Unpaved Road super, super, super soon. If you like this content, go on iTunes, go on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate it, and review it. And give me a thought because, you know, this kind of feedback are something that I really, really, really like and I really, really, really need. You can listen also to these things on Spotify or on Spreaker or on Google Podcasts, whatever you want. Listen to that and it's going to be great. A bit of adventure out there. It's amazing. That said... I'm gonna put everything on hold, I'm gonna take a break for two weeks. So for now, just bye. I will talk to you in next week. And if you know somebody in Australia between Brisbane and Sydney that I can interview, I have my microphone with me on this vacation. Just let me know and I will make it happen if you want me to talk with somebody. Cool! Talk to you soon, enjoy two weeks without my voice and peace.